Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today I'm sharing a client success story, which is all about learning how to stop waiting and start having more fun on the regular. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. As I mentioned, I have a really great interview for you today with a past client of the Women in the Middle Academy. She went all in and made significant changes in her life that brought her so much happiness. I can't wait to dive in with you. Okay, but before we go there, while we're on the topic of fun, I want to make sure that you know about a new way to have more fun with the Women in the Middle podcast. You're invited to join the new podcast club. Let me tell you what this is all about. Creating this podcast for you every week now for six years has been a really interesting experience for me on so many levels. It all got me thinking about connection and how a podcast can do that for you. And before you know it, this thing I call a party in your purse is like a cozy blanket for your soul at a time in your life when you can really use it. So I wanted to create something. I'm like, what can it be? What can it be? I needed a fun way for you to connect more. So what I came up with was a way for you to continue the podcast conversation, and it's called the Women in the Middle Podcast Club. The Podcast Club is basically a book club experience for the podcast. We're going to be going deeper into the podcast conversation started in the recent episodes. You're going to get a Zoom call with me once a month, a worksheet with thought-provoking questions to help you apply what you're learning on the podcast to your own life, and of course, some fun surprises along the way. You're also going to be able to chat with me directly and share your thoughts with me and with other like-minded women. You might be wondering about the price for all this awesomeness. (laughs) Well, get ready to be amazed. The founding member rate right now is only $6 a month. So don't waste another minute. Sign up now at www.susierosenstein.com and click on the podcast club button or go directly to susierosenstein.com forward slash podcast hyphen club. I can't wait to get this party started. Okay, if the podcast club announcement wasn't juicy enough, I have something else to share with you. There's something fun happening in February 2024. Keeping with the connection theme, if you love the podcast and hearing me in your ear every week, you're going to love joining me and other like-minded women on the Women in the Middle Connection Cruise. Yes, a cruise, an in-person opportunity. It's a four-night cruise, and we leave out of Fort Lauderdale in February 2024. We're going to be cruising to the Bahamas and Key West. So if this sounds interesting to you, send me an email right away to get on the list to make sure you get a spot. Details will follow shortly. Email me at info at com. That's info at com, and put cruise in the subject head. And I can't wait to hear from you, and more importantly, to hang out with you on the first Women in the Middle Connection cruise. Okay, now let's dive into this episode. This week, I want you to meet a coaching client from the Academy who had great success by making midlife changes that brought incredible happiness into her life. There are many powerful insights to learn and apply to your life from this episode. So my guest this week is Dr. Perry Gallagher who's a professor of English at Olone Community College in the San Francisco Bay Area. She started her academic career in her 20s after having studied at the Pacific Northwest Ballet School on scholarship from the time she was 16. Perry earned her associate's degree from Chabot College, bachelor's from UC Berkeley, master's from Stanford University, and doctorate of education in higher education from Alliant International University in San Francisco. Three years after earning her master's, she landed a tenure-track position at Olone College and has been there ever since. She's been teaching for 27 years and has offered a variety of classes from basic writing skills to literature, first-year composition, research, and critical thinking. Perry's passionate about giving her students an opportunity to create their future through education and thrives in the diversity of students she serves, including 
those who are older and wiser starting a new career or investing in themselves personally or professionally. She lives with her husband of 33 years, two young adult children, and a sassy Maine Coon cat mix. Like so many of you, midlife wasn't looking so good when Perry first reached out for coaching. She knew she needed help, and then she reached out and got to work. New beliefs were plentiful, being more social and balanced overall, and not waiting for the fun stuff until later are now integral strategies and practices in her life. This episode will give you a lot to think about and so easy to apply to your own life. So please enjoy. Hi, Perry. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited to have you on. I love having a chance to talk to clients who have made uh, significant progress, had massive insights, all the things, and your experience in the academy was like that. So I'm very excited for you to share your story. So let's start by talking a little bit about the reason, the original reason you were looking for a coach. What were you looking uh, for in your life that you didn't have? Uh, tell us all the things. Okay. So I, um, when I found you, I was, I had been teaching for over 20 years in the California Community College system. And I just had, I was in my fifties, mid fifties, um, 55, and I just wasn't having fun anymore. <laughs> And I thought, wait a minute, this, this just does not feel right. And so I couldn't quite figure that out. Um, and the reason it was hitting me so hard, I think, needs um, a little bit of backstory. So let me just start with sort of how I got there and what my life was like before I started teaching. Um, when I was 12, my family lived in Denmark for a year with some relatives we have there so my parents could study music. And while I was there, I was exposed to some beautiful ballet and was able to start taking lessons while I was there in Copenhagen. And was really quite taken by that. So flash forward to moving back to the States, I was in a relatively small town, not much opportunity for, for continuation of my, my training. Um, but I eventually there was a small studio that was opened and um, I continued study and I was really taken by it. And I ended up auditioning. There was a national tour um, for auditions for the um, North Seattle Pacific Northwest Ballet School. Mm. And I got a spot. Not only did I get a spot, but I got um, a, t a scholarship. And so I'm 16 years old and I say to my parents, okay, I'm moving to Seattle. I'm moving out of state. And fortunately, my mom had a friend there. So I ended up living with them relatively independently. And so I continued my high school education while I was taking classes. So that was a pretty big move for someone my age, I think. Well, that, um, that's amazingly huge because you, you said you're also from like a smaller town. And I can't imagine doing that's like grade 10, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can't right. imagine. So doing I, yeah. yeah. So I think all of that sort of demonstrates my, my discipline, my independence, my focus, my clarity, all those things that we're working on in the academy. Um, and so I did that for quite a few years. Very seriously, I took two classes a day. I had to commute myself down into the city. Um, all of that. So you can imagine it was very difficult a few years later after having these marvelous experiences and being on stage and training with the New York City Ballet and, and all of that, really being at the cusp of auditioning and becoming, um, you know, a company member, which was the goal, right? I had um, sustained some chronic injuries and I just was not happy with, with my progress. And I was really started to, to examine the, the ballet world and, and question my, my part in it and, and uh, whether or not I needed to leave. And I really did. I finally made that very difficult decision that I needed to to leave and do something else. And and the school was still was welcoming me, um, but I just made that hard choice. And so once I stopped, I was you know independent, single, alone, and I just started to journal and journal and journal. And I know I was thinking of your podcast you did with uh, coffee houses <laughs> because <laughs> I you know I went to all the coffee houses. They were they were really fun in in Seattle, and it, I just journaled. And so that it was that writing that sort of helped me start to take um, you know, ownership and make shape of my next chapter um, when I was 20. <laughs> so Yeah, I think uh, you know, what typically happens, though, is that when you've had an extreme focus and discipline, um, it seems like it's easy to get stuck when there's a change or because you're just tired of going, being that deep into it and whatever. I hear this a lot from um, physicians actually, physicians who are in their thirties and forties mm -hmm. tend to have a midlife funk a little ahead of schedule. 
And you were definitely having a midlife funk way early, probably a quarter life uh, crisis really early too, because of that extreme focus and discipline. What? I can't even imagine this, the extreme difference in your lifestyle of being at a ballet school, like a serious school with serious goals about the levels you wanted to attain. And then going to, uh, I guess I'll go have a coffee and write some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, so where the story continues, of course, is I, I met my husband and, um, I started college, you know, so community colleges in in the U.S. are are a real gem, I feel, um, and gave me my my next start. I I needed to start, just start, just begin. And so I began with classes there. um, And then we ended up moving here to California, um, where I continued. Um, So I ended up getting my associate's degree um, here in the Bay Area and uh, transferred to UC Berkeley for my bachelor's. So this is now all in in literature, in writing. So that, that journaling sort of gave me a sense of what I would really enjoy. So I loved the writing. I loved the literature. I found myself really enjoying linguistics and just, just language overall. I word nerd, <laughs> wordsmith, all of that. I loved it. So I ended up getting my um, degree in, in literature from Berkeley, moved on to Stanford for my master's in literature. And it was at that juncture that I had to make another tough decision. It's like, well, do I want a PhD in English? And I just, I, you know, thought to myself, I really, I really don't. So what does that mean? <laughs> um, what that meant was with a master's, you, you can begin teaching at the community college. I thought that's what I want to do. I really felt at that point because I had gained so much from that, that educational experience that I wanted to give back. I wanted to teach in the community colleges specifically so that I could reach people who are maybe like me or maybe even younger, but whatever it was they were, they were just, just starting, just um, beginning to see their world in a different way and, and sort of the possibilities that are available to them in their lives. What can they make of their lives and how can I help them? So that was sort of the beginning. I was able to go back to the college where I got my associates and to begin teaching and, and get some experience with that. So the way that all works here is, is you work as an adjunct part-time. And oftentimes that, that, that tends to lend itself to multiple colleges all around the Bay Area. And there, there are many of them here. So I did that for a little while. But then I was very, again, focused and driven and uh, deliberate, intentional about what I wanted. And that was, I wanted that tenure track job. <laughs> and it was very competitive. I mean, English majors are a dime a dozen, right? And so I was, I was really working very, very hard um, to get this job. So mind you, all this time, I'm, I'm, you know, my husband and I were also very deliberate about, well, we're not going to start a family until I get this job because I really want to complete my education. I want to complete this, this goal. Um, and so that was 10 years later, <laughs> um, starting my family with this brand new tenure track job. But that was that was my goal. So I've so so on track for myself, doing what I wanted to do. This next chapter was going well. Um, uh, neither of us had family nearby. So we're really kind of relying on one another. So mm-hmm. I, I say all of that just to kind of give a, a, a sense of the intensity <laughs> of our lives. Um, and as you said earlier, what, what it meant when I arrived at that place where I was stuck, I'm like, wait a minute. I've worked so hard to make this all wonderful. And, and why am I not having fun teaching anymore? It's, it's not, I felt like it just, it's not just burnout. Um, but what is it? So, so people were looking at me like, well, if you're miserable, just quit. <laughs> mm. And so because of all that backstory, you can understand. That didn't that didn't seem like the right thing to do. That to me was not regret proofing. It was right. sort of the opposite. Like if I left that job that I'd worked so hard for and, and for so long in, um, that just wasn't gonna work. So um I was able to at fifty-five um opt for early retirement. So it's kind of thinking about that. But yet the 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 structure of the state teachers retirement is that they reward longevity. So really sixty is the benchmark. But what, um, what did so, you figure out was the problem at that point? Did you know why you were not having fun? What was making you unhappy about something that used to really turn you on? Right. Well, I, I, I feel like there were multiple things. I mean, the, the changing landscape of education is constant, right? Um, whether or not that's within the profession, you know, the, the sort of mandates of we need to do things this way now, not that way. And and if you think about it, in, in my time, I, I was hired uh, full time in 1999. So I was hi- it was a brand new thing to teach online. <laughs> so right. I was that pioneer teaching online and, you know, started in 2005 and, you know, was sort of 
making my niche, you know, with that work. Um, in fact, um, within that job, I was also given an opportunity to get a doctorate of education. And so my, the topic that I chose was on online teaching. I was sort of, you know, making that the focal point of my research and, and, and writing. So, you know, that was changing as well. I mean, it used to be a fun thing, but now uh, students are so mobile and so on this device and that device. You know, so anyway, there are lots of sort of changes, but it, that wasn't satisfactory either. It wasn't like, yeah, change is going to happen. It can't be just that. And it can't be just that my doctorate was in educational leadership um, and I had done some things leadership wise. I mean, I think that ed- that degree typically tends to lend itself towards um, administration. And I was very clear when I got it. No, I'm just doing this for fun. I don't want to be an administrator. (laughs) So I got the degree. I tried some things. They didn't go well. And I thought, oh, geez, was it that? Um, Was it just, you know, menopause? Was it just, you know, overwhelm? All of those things that you hear so much about. But I just, I just wasn't sure, except to, to say that I, I, I knew that I wasn't showing up the way I had been. Yeah, um, I know I didn't I couldn't co- sort of recover the, the fountain of youth either. I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do either. <laughs> so, just, you know, this midlife funk business, it's there are a lot of similarities when people experience it, but everybody has a different flavor. Um, What did you notice uh, it felt like for you? Like you did you use the word stuck? You said you weren't showing up the way you wanted to. What did mm-hmm. that look like? Would anybody have noticed? Gosh, that's a good question. I mean. I, I do have high standards for myself and for my students, right? And so if I felt like I was doing less than my best, then to me, that was going to be, you know, something problematic for me and something sort of something to improve, um, recover from. Um, I remember when I when I talked to you first before I joined the academy, you said one of your questions was, you know, what was the last big thing you've done? And to have to realize that, wow, that was 2009 when I got that degree. And here it is like 2021 or so. That That's a good chunk of time for me to have not done anything new and fresh, which mm-hmm. I think was something that I felt was was maybe contributing to my stuckness, that I hadn't hadn't been on a sabbatical. I mean, that's what I, I used my sabbatical to complete that degree. Um, hadn't done anything since. Just wasn't motivated to go find something that was project worthy. And those are competitive spots anyway. I just was just kind of retreating into myself in a way that I was not accustomed to. I was really mm-hmm. much knew myself more to be someone to advance and go out and, and seek new things and new ideas. Yeah, this is pretty common. And I have to say the way you're describing it, I'm relating to it quite a bit with what happened to me uh, between the 14th and the 19th year of my last J-O-B. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I uh, presented, it presented to me as this awareness that I wasn't content. That was the first kind of uh, whisper that I heard when I actually identified it and didn't just go about my day. And then I'm like, well, why am I not content? And, and I felt stagnant. Like I wasn't growing anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure why. Certainly the landscape at my job changed a lot too, but that, feeling that maybe we've just been doing this too long when the first, you know, when we established our our careers and families, very, very busy. Like Mm -hmm. if you had a relationship, regardless of whether or not you had kids, a new relationship, perhaps investing in a home uh, or some kind of a real estate purchase or a lifestyle, setting up your career. If you do have kids, you're very focused on kids and everything that goes on with pregnancies and trying to get pregnant and trying not to get pregnant and raising kids and like all those things (laughs) is very busy and preoccupying for a very long time where it's likely that you're not putting yourself first in the way you did when you were younger, when you were able to focus on ballet, uh, Mm -hmm. when I was able to just focus on, you know, studying and academics too. So I'm, you know, it's when you, when you kind of take a bird's eye view of what's going on, it makes sense. Like, so, yeah, it's fascinating for you that you did have all that stuff. You were pushing, pushing, climbing, climbing, attaining, attaining, <laughs> and then wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, then what happened? Is that about when we met? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, didn't we find each other on Google? Is that what happened? 
Yeah, yeah. I because I was really struggling to to find um, an explanation, and for me, words or phrases or anything to help me make sense of this, I was just reaching. I thought one day it popped into my head: um, Is this midlife? Is this a midlife crisis? Is this is this what this is like? And I just typed. I think it was probably like women midlife, and the rest is history. Right? Is is basically how I found you, and I I couldn't be happier. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And were you a podcast listener before that? Nope. I didn't even really in general listen to podcasts until I found you. And I've since added a few more <laughs> to my lineup. Um, but really, no, I, I, I'm a reader, right? I right. don't. However, I do have a very long commute and I have really felt, um, happy to have found podcast land and, and you and all the rest. <laughs> I think. You know, I call it a, a party in your purse. I think podcasts are such a gift. It's like so much free fun and help and uh, connection in such a weird way. Um, mm -hmm. I think if I remember correctly, you downloaded the, the podcast bundle as mm -hmm. a, an entree, right? So that's the top. I think it's 12 episodes to really kind of get you into my view on what's going on at this mm -hmm. time of life and what you can do to help yourself and all of that. Uh, the Get Unstuck podcast bundle. <laughs> and I remember uh, when we spoke on the phone that first time, this idea of finally first, which is what I call, you know, when you start working on this concept that it is time and it is a worthy endeavor for you to be finally first in your life and your priorities and your resources, expenditure and the way you spend your time, all of that. Um, and that's, I think that's when you joined. Yeah, and I have to say too, what really—I mean, first of all, you had me at academy, right? I'm an, I'm an <laughs> academic, so that was a non-no-brainer. Here I am. Let's go back. Let's go back to school. And and the, the framework, the thought model, I just loved. I love a good framework. I mean, I had to have one for my dissertation. I have to have one when I create curriculum. You know, I just loved that there was something that I could hang on to in my little life raft. Honestly. <laughs> And just work through. I love the, you know, think, feel, act results that all up and down that. And the way that you have us practice that in the academy was just such a game changer because it was more than um, me in a coffee house in my journal and, and the tears and the coffee and the, and the pens and the tears and the, the whole thing. It was just I felt like in retrospect, you know, I, I had all sorts of thoughts all day long. But what was I making them mean? And did I have it, you know? It was it possible to sort of change them or alter them? Um, I just didn't have those tools then like I do now, which have just been invaluable. I think about them every day. It's not, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, <laughs> no. 100%. So the thought model is what I learned uh, with all my training at the Life Coach School. And it's a five-step framework to help give you perspective and tools to think better about what's mm -hmm. going on in your mind, what it's creating for you with or without your permission, <laughs> what you can mm -hmm. do to think better so that you can, you know, have the exp the personal experiences that you want. You can manage your mind, you can manage your feelings. And like you said, it is a framework that needs practice. So the problem with journaling, journaling is amazing, but mm -hmm. do we push back? Do we really challenge ourselves <laughs> uh, on what we're thinking? And are we curious about what's, what we're writing down and what's coming up for us? And even the structure of the framework just walks you through kind of planned curiosity. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like being more uh, patient and intentional with yourself because it takes, you know, it doesn't take forever, but it might take a minute to, to actually write down a thought model. The other yep. thing I hear from a lot of uh, clients is that what, you know, we're too busy and I'm just doing it in my head. And yeah. For sure, we can make some progress just by doing it in your head, but there's something that happens with the, the art and science of writing, like taking mm -hmm. that extra step that and writing it out and then being able to observe what you've written and knowing what prompts to ask yourself to be curious on purpose. Right, exactly. And not only that, but what I found particularly useful was, um, if I identified a thought that wasn't serving me, it was stinking up the joint, right? I wanted to, do, I wanted to oh try. Oh my gosh. It. I can't believe you just said it. That's a direct quote from one of the favorite people in my life of forever. Um, Fred, the music director, the band director from high school, who's not with us anymore. It was so, so sad when he passed, but he used to always say, 
Uh, you're stinking up the joint if you were playing something wonky or messing up a formation and marching band practice. And to hear you just say that, oh, <laughs> yes, it's, it's so it's beautiful. The legacy. Thank right. You. And no, I, I also did marching band. So I imagine marching band and ballet in high school all at the same time. <laughs> so I could identify <laughs> with feet, that too. Your feet must have been very confused. The toes, the <laughs> angles, the shoes. That's right. Where am I? Who am I? <laughs> so, so yeah, so wait, you, what I you loved, started to realize it, right? Right, right. And and that I had had I hate to use the word power, but I had the power to make a new thought and try it on for size. Right. And then do the thought model. So that's what you call the intentional thought model, not the unintentional or the thought download. Um, and, and so the, the biggest turning point for us working together, I think, was me trying on a new thought, which was, I don't hate my job. <laughs> <laughs> because I came to you thinking, I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. <laughs> so let's try a different one and see where that goes. And, and it went, um, in a very, positive direction. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so fascinating to really think. So this is the problem. When you are just in your own head, spinning mm-hmm. on these thoughts, it doesn't even seem like anything's wrong with it. It just seems like I hate my job. Right. It's a fact. If I go to coffee with a girlfriend, she's not going to even think twice about this comment. And <laughs> we just don't appreciate that it's optional. Mm-hmm. And that even if you don't love your job, there are so many things you could think instead that help create a different feeling state for you that actually helps you in your life, right? So we don't appreciate that just a thought like that is optional and even like a tiny little movement on it. Do you remember if, did you start with a bridge thought, a tiny little movement thought, or did you go Most right? likely, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I would I imagine really you did. Yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. it was probably something like I'm open to the idea that I may not hate my job as much as I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. right so exactly. just that tiny little thing surprisingly has such a different emotional response uh mm-hmm. typically cuz i hate we know we just go straight to ugh, cut it off no other options and yeah. then you start feeling a certain way then you start showing up very differently mm-hmm. than just right. being tiny bit curious about what might be yeah i knew i knew intuitively and i do put a lot of faith in my intuition um the, it, nothing is that black and white. <laughs> it's not, you love your job, you hate your job, you stay with your job, you quit your job. It just, none of that was sitting well with me. Um, so I think that's another reason that, that, that this um, thought work really came in handy. Um, and so I think what, what also I loved about the work in the academy was your, whatever variety of activities or, or books or, you know, coaching calls encouraged us to think about, um, our passions, right? So I do remember our first conversation you, you were exploring with me, like, um, do you need to identify your passion for your next chapter, et cetera? Um, and so, uh, you know, where, where, where in the sequence I decided I was going to stay doesn't really matter. Um, as much as, as, as the, the outcome, which is I knew already knew my passion it happens to be scrapbooking, um, which may sound like, oh, that's just a cute little hobby. But for me, it's so much more. <laughs> It's, um, I'm my family's librarian, self-appointed. Um, I was in 4-H as a young person, which if any of your listeners know about 4-H, you have to do record books. So it was pictures plus the story, picture stories when, um, I was doing the photography, um, portion of it. Um, I love art, the blank canvas of, of scrapbooking, you know, to have that blank page and to put stuff on it, the, the, the papers, the embellishments, all of it. I just, I just love that so much. And so, um, for you to um, help me figure out ways to incorporate that into my life were, were hugely powerful. I, I remember you had us do an activity called a vision board. And the last one I did was the, the my word of the year was balance. And I thought to myself, I have I I've reached a state where, um, you know, the academic calendar really sort of supports um, the, the absence of balance. At least for me, it was like either you're in the semester or you're off contract. It's like, you know, the year and then there's the summer. And so for me, it was always, oh, I'll do my scrapbooking. I'll do my art. I'll do the fun stuff. You know, the may do, not the must do from preschool. The the may do is all crammed into the summer. And then the rest of the year, I'm just miserable because as you know, I, I work out of a little she shed here, which is literally half and half. It's like on the one side is my computer and that's where I work. On the other side is the fun stuff. So I walk in 
And I look left and there's the fun stuff and I look right and I have to go right and I can never go left. And I just, I really, um, was never happier, um, than when I was able to feel like, Oh, here's a thought. I believe that balance is possible because I really was thinking balance is not even possible. But yet when you encourage us to regret proof and think of, um, you know, our, our concerns about running out of time, I have so many planned projects that I'm definitely going to run out of time if I wait to retirement to start them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing this example. First of all, I know uh, as a podcast listener, you cannot see Perry's space, but it is fantastic. Like even though she's in the work half, I can see what's going on behind her and behind her. And it is just scrapbooking and creativity craft central. And she has a she shed. Let's just pause on that. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want a she shed? Oh my God. Um, but yeah, this is the thing. It's such an interesting way that you've been thinking about it that didn't serve you at all. It was very black and white. Uh, and then there becomes a challenge. If this is something you really love to do, then why aren't you doing it more often? And how can you do it more often? And once you start asking yourself better questions, like how can I integrate scrapbooking into my life? during the full year, then your brain starts to work on answers for it versus mm -hmm. it's impossible for me to scrapbook because work is so busy or whatever version of that you were thinking, then your brain doesn't work to solve the, how am I going to figure this out problem? Uh, right. So it's just so interesting that you basically failed in advance on allowing <laughs> yourself to be happier with something that uh, you were absolutely passionate about. So how did you solve the problem? Well, I baby steps, <laughs> always baby steps. I, I was able to start, um, leaving, you know, the, um, what you, what you would call the, um, the layout, um, just some ideas, you know, some, I have a magnetic board. And so I, I would be forced to look at it when I walked in the office. Okay. What can I, oh, I think I'm going to move this picture a little to the right and this paper's wrong, you know, like that. Um, but I think what really propelled me forward was also, you know, that meeting your, your encouragement, um, and your materials on finding new friends and finding friendships and all of that in midlife, which, um, you know, was pretty stagnant, shall we say, cause I was pretty busy all the time. <laughs> um, but, but what happened was just glorious and it's still, it's still blossoming and still evolving. Um, a friend of mine that I used to scrapbook with, uh, moved and she had sort of a group of us ladies that she would take on a three day retreat. Um, twice a year. Um, and also quarterly have, you know, she had an even larger she shed. <laughs> we would get, a, get together at her house and scrapbook. And so there's a sort of community that um, three of us decided, well, you know, we want to keep this going, even though she's gone. So I, I became a part of that team. Um, you know, and so flash forward, um, I'm doing that still, but I was then able to find a, a better spot for us. And then I, uh, so at your prompting, Susie, I, I was thinking bigger, you know, what if, what's possible? And I ended up um, renting a, a small little classroom the first Saturday of each month. So that, so to your, to your question about how I made this happen, I, I put that in my calendar. <laughs> it's like every once a month. And so then I would have to backtrack and sort of prepare for that. I couldn't just arrive at the classroom ready to do something without having done the prep work. Right. So that sort of integrated it into my life and, and the, and the ladies that, so, so that, so my passion plus the social aspect has just been so fulfilling because those mm -hmm. ladies are over the moon thankful. They're like, Oh, thank you for making this space available and possible. And it's very, I only ask for the, the only cost is to cover the rental, which is very reasonable. They're not being sold anything. We're not doing challenges or prizes or we're just there to do our craft and to be together. And so mm -hmm. I, it's working so well. I'm thinking now, well, maybe I should do it more often because <laughs> you know, these ladies are so happy. And, and within that network, I, uh, and finding other avenues for friendships, other passions that these ladies have as well. So it's just been wonderful. Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. So you made a mention of some of the work that's in the curriculum for the academy, mm -hmm. um, about relationships. So, um, in month five, there are two lessons. The lessons come out every two weeks, um, in the six month academy program. And, uh, I'll just go through them briefly. And we do deal with relationships in the fifth week. So in, in the first month, we're dealing with just understanding your thoughts and kind of what you mentioned, Perry, about the thought model and 
what is actually going on up there and to appreciate there is a difference between what is a black and white fact in your life. (laughs) What is a thought about that fact? Huge, huge thing. The other thing that uh, I spend a lot of time on is anchoring where we're at in life and really taking a close look at our thoughts about aging because most of us don't, well, I don't know about most, many of us aren't aware of the thoughts we do have about aging and how they're stinking up the joint <laughs> because <laughs> we might think, oh, we're cool about it. But in in fact, there's a lot of sneaky thoughts about aging that um really affect you. Uh, then there's also some work on um, assessing different areas of your life. We talk about self-care, how to take better care of yourself mm-hmm. and how you are making decisions, even when you don't even think you're making decisions about that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We talk about exploring joy and work, how you can be more fulfilling at work. Uh, the, the month that you mentioned is month five, where we're looking at all different kinds of relationships in your life. And then in month six, we're looking about what do we do next? We're looking at priorities and planning. And one thing you just mentioned about actually putting it in your calendar is so funny because it's kind of like the secret sauce of life for success <laughs> is to plan in advance and then commit to your plan. Exactly. So once you had that little anchor, those Saturday mornings in your calendar, by committing to them, it gave you so much more structure, inspiration, happiness, you know, that you had something to look for. You knew you were, you were taking care of yourself by allowing mm. yourself to spend time on your hobby Now, what kind of an effect did all of this good stuff in the other part of your life have on your job? Well, um, as you just mentioned, making a plan, um, you know that about the time I was uh, concluding my time with the academy, I said, you know, this summer is going to be different. It's not going to be just dog off a leash (laughs) and forget about school and I'll work on it the week before because that has not worked well (laughs) in years recently. Um, but instead I was going to commit to a plan of just, you know, doing, do, doing something related to the curriculum. And, and a lot of it was really big because there's, there's, um, there's great interest in having, uh, the classes be textbook free. Um, so there's not that added expense for students. So I had to sort of start from scratch. Okay. I need, first of all, I need to find a textbook and I can't, you know, that certainly can't wait. <laughs> so I have found that to be successful to sort of, you know, doing a little bit each day, even if it's just, you know, searching for that textbook, right? That's doing something and then yeah. making note of it. So I'm keeping myself accountable a little bit and also um, giving my my brain that sort of reward. Oh, you've done something, not nothing. <laughs> and it's really sort of enabled me to, to stay focused on that. Well, and it's a more balanced approach. There's the word balance again, right? Because yeah, again, yeah. I think one of the reasons that uh, you were thinking so negatively about your job is the intensity of the calendar. And yeah. so you were often treating the summer with that same intensity where it doesn't have to be, you know, and doing <laughs> yeah, a little here and there is really yeah. what you're doing with the scrapbooking too, is you're allowing it to be a part of your life, not just a treat for when everything on your stinking list is done because we love our lists and we use them <laughs> against ourselves. <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's well put. <laughs> now I know the other thing is you stayed doing this work in the community for 18 months because after uh, the six-month uh, foundational academy work, there's an opportunity to stay on in the master level program where mm-hmm. there's not new content introduced. There are some new things introduced, but really it's a little bit more access to me, but it's just more opportunity to apply what you've learned with feedback. Because again, mm-hmm. when we're left to our own devices, we're often not as curious and mm-hmm. we don't challenge ourselves enough to not to extinguish thoughts that aren't serving us, but to understand them, to explore them without being hard on ourselves. So really midlife women and you and me, like we're all in the same boat here is typically we're not as compassionate as we could be about ourselves toward ourselves. And we're not as curious. So curiosity and compassion, I always say for the win. Um, and when you're in a community where everybody's working on it, it mm-hmm. seems a little bit easier because you can see other women be coached. You can see when they're not being nice to themselves. You can see <laughs> when they have blocks, right? And so watching somebody else, when you see it clearly, but they don't, it's mm-hmm. so powerful when you see somebody else just being so mean to themselves, being such a mean girl, and you know, you can see it and they don't see it. And it's, 
is such a wake up call. I know you're nodding. Did that happen to you? Right. Well, and on the, on the flip side, not the flip, but the uh, positive version of that too is watching someone's head explode. Yes. <laughs> that was always fun. <laughs> so fun. Oh my gosh. So fun. And you can really see a breakthrough and to see other people celebrating their own successes. Right. Um, and again, many people have quit jobs. I remember, I think you were there the month that two people put their stake in the sand and said, that's it. This is my date. I'm leaving. They've been working on it for months, really understanding what the problem was and to be able to celebrate with them and to appreciate all of the thought work that goes into making a clean decision like that. Mm-hmm. It's so, so exciting. Well, it's the clarity, too, that you encourage us to think about. How can you get clear? Because it's one thing just to say, I planned it out. Here's my date. But to be excited about what's next, not fearful, and to have that clarity, this is what I'm doing and why, right? It's not just that I'm going to do this because I feel like I have to. Um, so I think that's really a, one of the larger values of, of the Academy and this work, too, is to to have that confidence that's not just like, you know, given to you. It's not automatic, but it's something that you've really built and that you really own um, in a way that's that's taken time and effort. But I have to say, in all this effort and all of this seriousness, one of the uh, other things I loved about the Academy was that it's not all serious all the time. <laughs> I mean, we are silly, right? We do have fun. We do, we do Zentangle. We do, you know, um, social calls. You know, I think there's that, that encouragement to, to, I mean, especially for me, um, I could be justly accused of taking myself way too seriously most of the time. So I, that was really a good, a good move for me. <laughs> That's great. And the other thing is that it does take time. So if we just take an online course, mm-hmm. it's very easy to stay at a more superficial level because again, you're not challenging your yourself. You need to be accountable, not just to, to, you know, cross all the T's and dot the I's and tick things off done. But it's also the thinking time and the talking time and uh, that community part of being open with other women, getting coached with other women, like-minded women who are going through similar kinds of things. We can mm-hmm. usually relate to almost everything that comes up, you know, in some way or another, where somebody's being very vulnerable and they're thinking, well, this is only happening to me. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Right. I was thinking about one of my first um, writing teachers in college. She she shared with me a quote that's stuck with me since. It's um, what is most personal is most general. Yes. And right. I've always just loved that because it, it really, you know, is a leveling idea. <laughs> Whereas you say we have a lot of common ground here, um, but it also makes it um, less frightening to share your story because there's someone out there who's who's who understands. <laughs> Right. And who's, who's, uh, getting a lot from your bravery of, uh, to mm-hmm. share it. That's the other mm-hmm. thing too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's happened over and over again and it's so good. Right. Um, so what would you say, you know, some advice for other women going through this similar kind of stuckness where they're just not sure how to get out of that funk, uh, mm-hmm. based on what you've learned and how you've grown? Right. Well, I would say I, I, Trust your intuition. I mentioned that before. I really place a very high value in, in your gut, trusting your gut. Um, if something feels off, it could probably use more attention, right? And I think our, our tendency is to pay less attention, just to just bury ourselves in whatever, to look past it, to just get through it, just knuckle down. But if it feels off, it, it probably could use some of this work, right? Um, and I would also say if you sign up for the Academy, which I highly recommend you do, <laughs> Don't be afraid to really engage, right? There, there are so yeah. many different ways to learn and grow. You just won't be disappointed. There's, um, I think you, you framed it in terms of adult learning. There's different, you know, there's the videos, there's the, the writing, there's the, you send us books, <laughs> you know, in, in the masters. Um, there's all sorts of ways to engage with the material. Um, but I think that, um, it's, it's sort of a truism, but you get out of it what you put into it. And so I would recommend that. That's my advice in terms of this work. Um, even if it just is starting with, as you said, listening to the podcast one after the next, you can get a lot out of that and sort of start the work um, on your own. Um, and so um, finally, I would say, don't forget to give yourself some grace. I think you mentioned that earlier um, when doing this work and be open to surprises. I love serendipity. I love surprises. I love, oh, I never thought of that before. This this thought just landed in my lap and and I just and I can take that and Take that little gemstone and put it in my tiara. I love that. So that's that's my advice. 
That's so good. And the other thing is, you know, you, you can't just join the academy without talking to me. I'm really looking for fit. I want you to make a decision that feels really amazing. And uh, a lot of that has to do with connection. If you feel connected to me, if you feel that you like my message, that you can learn from me, clearly there has to be a fit. And that's why I do that. I don't want anybody to, you know, to, to spend good money on an investment that you don't feel amazing about. You're a little uncertain. Um, so there's a chance to have a, a solid conversation with me, get all your questions answered. And if I don't think it's a good fit, I'll tell you that. Um, usually if you're a podcast listener, you're probably a good fit because you, you know, you've heard my stupid stories. You, you don't mind laughing uh, right. if it helps you <laughs> access some of these more difficult topics and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah. we're definitely looking for fit. And I'll be honest with you if I don't feel it's a good fit because I want you to have amazing results. And they're not going to come just from me. They have to be based on the way you show up and that you're ready for change and ready to apply the information. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's all really good. Now, there's one more question, Perry, or should I say Dr. Gallagher? Uh, the question <laughs> is about your graduation cap. Now, this was a very interesting thing that came up for us. Um, and I can't let you get off this call, this interview, without talking about it. <laughs> Because it's so, so powerful. So tell us what happened with that cap and what insights you had about the whole thing. Uh, well, the, okay, so the the hat is called a TAM, and it's what doctors wear um, when they have the regalia. Um, and my opportunities to wear that are, are uh, when I have to go to graduation each each um, year, each semester, each year. <laughs> and um, because I work for the college, they rent my regalia. So I don't own my own cap and cap. And so, um, once I got my doctorate, they, it was, a, it was a different, um, gown, a different hood. So it's, it's a whole different look. Um, and the only, but the only thing that changed with the mortarboard was that rather than having a black tassel, I would now have a gold tassel. And that was really beyond, if you didn't know what you were looking at with the, with the robe, um, you wouldn't really necessarily know. Um, it wasn't as obvious that I was a doctor. And, and so within the community colleges, it's not required that you have a doctorate. So, I mentioned a PhD in English, you know, you don't have to have that subject field doctorate. Uh, mine was just, as I said, for fun. As I didn't, it, it was, it did move me up on the salary scale, but it was just mostly for me. And so I, I just let it go year after year. Oh, I'm not gonna, I don't need, I don't need the floppy hat, we called it, right? <laughs> and, and we started laughing about how you wanted to see me do the broad strut. strut. It was a mummer <laughs> strut because I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. I couldn't, I don't know why we were talking about this. It must have been around New Year's, but the yeah. mummers, if you know, there's a mummers parade and there's a strut and I can't get that living in Toronto. I can't see it anymore. So sometimes I look it up on YouTube just because the whole scene is such a solid memory from growing up in that area. So we were talking about that and it was, you posed a very obvious question. Well, why, why haven't you purchased your own town already? <laughs> Because yes. this is a, you know, way over ten years ago. And I I it's silly now that I that I think about it because I did finally purchase it. It um after all of this work, um came in the mail, it wasn't expensive. I thought to myself, why did I wait? And I I just I think that that was such um it was almost like putting the cap on my graduation <laughs> from from the academy in a way. Um, to take ownership and to be proud and to strut around and say, yes, I have a doctorate. And some of you don't, but I'm no longer um, afraid to make you feel intimidated or less than. It's just something I did. And um, I think that that's worth celebrating Ugh. at your prompting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is so exciting. And this is the thing. Notice when one of the reasons that you didn't pursue it because you were concerned about other people's thoughts about your yeah. success. And right. your achievement, right? And mm -hmm. so many decisions are made by fear of what other people are going to think about fear of judgment. And we don't even know who these other people are. But for <laughs> you to stand on your own and strut on all these graduation opportunities that you have to celebrate the success of other students, I just really thought it would be fun to see you strutting with your TAM. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and now yep. you are. Now you're fully loaded. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so good. Perry, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you and to cheer you on and to, you know, be your midlife coach. 
I know that once these thoughts are in your heart and mind, it's very hard to ignore them. It's very hard to go back to being unaware once you have awareness. And like you said, you've got tools. I think of the thought model and all the coaching work tools and resources as um, in your in your tool belt. And I have a pink tool belt that I that I visualize. So I've got this tool <laughs> belt and you've got a tool. You always yeah. know the podcast is always there for you and you always know how to find me. So thank you so much for sharing your personal experience. And I just hope that you have so much scrapbooking fun <laughs> over the summer and over the years to come that you don't even know what to do with yourself. That's my plan. That's my plan, Susie. Thank you so much. I love it. Okay, that is it for this episode. I have a feeling you have taken a lot from listening just now. Like I mentioned earlier, Perry knew she needed some help to make those big changes and shifts in her life. I love how she shared how she realized that her black and white thinking was actually setting her up to fail in advance. And, you know, not move forward toward the kinds of things that would help her get excited about her life again. She was not excited. (laughs) Perry started thinking bigger. She started to be more curious and think about what was actually possible. And then before she knew it, she saw possibility everywhere. And so will you. Okay, as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. Now, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and focused on your current values and priorities so that you don't have regrets. You know you're meant for more and don't want to waste valuable time. You can absolutely create less busy, more balance, and more happiness and I can help you create the success that you're looking for. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Academy with you in mind, because it's a warm, supportive, and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together so that you feel great about your future. So email me your questions, and let's talk about it and see if it's for you. Go ahead and book your free no-obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click on the podcast tab and look for episode 315. Want to take the podcast conversation to a whole new level? Join the Women in the Middle Podcast Club. Just head over to susierosenstein.com and click the podcast club button. And if you're interested in cruising with me in February, the Connection Cruise is waiting for you. Email me at info at susierosenstein.com and put cruise in the subject line and you'll get an email with the next steps. There are limited spots, so take action now. And if you're interested in applying to be a guest on my new podcast, Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, head over to midlifeinterviews.com and apply. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you again next week. (laughs) 